That scene, that audio, is taken, is taken from a movie called Gravity with George Clooney and Sandra Bullock. came out a couple of years ago. Sandra Bullock is spiraling through the abyss of space. Her systems have all gone down, and there's no communication with Earth. Maybe sounds like your morning this morning. And, uh, and, and, and so her last resort, you know, plan Z is to pray, not unlike my experience. You know, when I experience crisis, troubleshoot it a thousand different ways, plan A, plan B, plan C, and then maybe if all else fails, well, I guess I'll pray. Uh, that's not too uncommon. And it gets honest, right? It, prayer gets kind of honest at that point. It might even get a little vulnerable and uh, sometimes even kind of comically awkward. Six years ago, I prayed a prayer that I think in all the texts on God's prayer phone that he's ever gotten, this one was probably the strangest, maybe one of the weirdest ones. Um, it happened at a youth group event. It was about, it was our ugly sweater party. It's an annual thing. We have um, really hundreds of students here from all over the Fox Valley. A lot of new visitors, first, first time in church kind of experience for a lot of students. And we talk about Christmas. I get up to teach and talk about Christmas. But before that happens, there's a short time where we do kind of like an icebreaker and a stage game. And one of the things I did as a youth pastor is I promised myself I would never be one of those guys that do those games where like kids eat weird textured stuff and then they, the spectacle of maybe getting sick or not. You know, we're not going to do that. Not at our youth group. Until we did it once at our youth group the first year. That, that promise to myself lasted like a half a year. And, uh, and, and, and so they do this game. Of course, one of the kids gets sick, but they don't have a lot of time to clean it up. So they kind of just move it around a little bit and then they get off stage. I don't know what's going on. I come out from backstage to preach the gospel and the word of God, and I get out on the stage in front of all these students, a lot of new people, not ever been to church before, and I'm teaching, and about 10 minutes into it, you know, I'm walking around that stage, and there's kids, like, sitting, like, right here, you know, and I'm, like, teaching, and the, the spotlight is, like, hot, you know, it's, like, cooking stuff, it's, like, coming up, it's, like, recooking, and it's up in my mouth, and I start getting violently, I start to get violently nauseous, and, uh, and, and I just, so the audience is watching this happen, and here's what they see. You know, I'm like, listen, kids, God loves you so much. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, his love is so big. And they're like, he's feeling it. He's feeling, he's so passionate. Look at him, it's just coming from the heart. It's coming from the gut. Oh, it was coming from the gut. All right, there was a lot of stuff coming from the gut. My insides wanted to be on my outsides. And so I started to pray. A weird prayer that I never thought I would pray in my life until you join youth ministry. And the prayer was this, dear Lord, please no. Not like this. Not like this. Do not, this was like, do not let me throw up on these children. <laughs> please, that was the weird, and God probably saw and goes, that's a weird one, but it's from Brian. So I'd expect it. <laughs> Whatever Brian's doing right now doesn't surprise me. If that, imagine, if this is your first time in church. Like, just imagine first kids day, first time in church ever. Preaching pastor throws up on them. I mean, just imagine that. Like, they would never. Listen, if you're new here today, okay, if this is your first day here and I throw up on you, you have a right to never go back to church again. You probably should not go to church. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, hopefully that does not happen. Oh, prayer. there's a lot of intellectual barriers for me with prayer. Um, you know, first is like, he, he's God, right? You know, like, he's, what am I going to say to God? You know, he, if, if there's some degree of godness in him, you believe he's not playing tennis with the world, that he's got some sovereign control, he's got a bigger picture. Although, what am I going to say that's going to impact that? Even the question, how do we pray, which is the question we're going to ask uh, today. How do we pray? That question, we ask it because of who we're praying to. 
Like, he, he's God. Like, he's a big deal. What's, what's going on in his world up in heaven that we would interrupt with our prayer request? Well, that's what I want to do today. Let's look at that. Let's look at what's going on. That's what you do when you try to call mom and dad and they don't pick up. You're like, what's going on over there? I'd like to drive over there and see. And they don't have it turned on. They wonder why you haven't called. So that didn't happen this morning. But anyway, um, so we're going to look at that. And we're going to do it in John, or excuse me, John's uh, book. John wrote a book called Revelation. It's chapter 4. We're actually going to go into, he gives us a peek into the throne room of God. I mean, now you have to understand, before we read this, I need to warn you, it's, it's the Revelation. So it's the last book in the Bible. It is, it is what it is. It's a revelation of heaven and what's going to transpire in the ages to come. And so it's, it's, it's John trying to describe in, in human language heavenly, otherworldly things. And this is, this is hard to do. Like, it's not to say that God didn't perfectly inspire the word of God and and, uh, or that he couldn't inspire it perfectly because, oh, shucks, the human language is just so imperfect. That's not, why, that's not the case. But what is the case is this. There's only 24 letters in the Koine Greek alphabet. There's only 26 in the English language that we can then interpret that into. There's only so many finite combinations of words to describe what are these other spiritual beings and what, we're see- what John's seen. I mean, he's doing his best, and obviously God's inspired him perfectly. But there's only so much we can do until we're there and we experience it, and we see it, and we know it. Because, I mean, this is why when Moses writes Exodus, and he asks God, who should I say sent me to, the, to Pharaoh? He, God says, well, call me I am. I'm, I am the great I am. I mean, that, we know God's more complicated than that, but that's, all he, that's what we have to work with. And he just says, look, for now, this will do. And so we have that. We've got this picture in Revelation chapter 4 of the throne room of God, as best as John and God perfectly inspiring him to write it. So we're going to take a peek and we're going to go in there and it's, you're going to, we're going to see some stuff and some incredible otherworldly supernatural beings that don't exist here on earth. And uh, it's going to be, well, it's going to be pretty amazing. So, and it's a whole chapter. We're going to read an entire chapter of the Bible. So next week when I come back from part two, I won't use any Bible verses. How's that? We'll just read a whole chapter today. I'm just kidding. Now, we're actually going to read all of it but the first verse. I didn't think you guys could handle the whole chapter. So we're going to start with number two. All right, here we go. I'm teasing. Come on, you guys are the 930 service. You're not the 11 o'clock. Okay. Come on now. Hey, this is church. No fun. Okay, don't have fun. All right, here we go. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone on it. Okay, so this is the throne room of heaven. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. Now, that's not to say that God is a pile of rubies. No, he's looking at this, and he's looking at the being, God, and he, he's just, I have no other words to describe him. He's so beautiful. He has this appearance. He's got, it's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. He's, he's so incredible that he's like, he has the appearance of rubies and diamonds and, and all kinds of, you know, jasper. Um, and then it says, a rainbow that shone like an emerald circle, emerald encircled the throne. So this isn't no half circle rainbow. This ain't no double rainbow. This is a full circle rainbow, and, it's, and so you can get the scale and the scope of this throne. It's big enough to have a rainbow and circle it. Okay, then it says here, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads, and from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbling, and peals of thunder. So it's enormous, and this isn't, remember, it's not like because it's a rainy day in heaven. Okay, it's not like partly cloudy with a chance of thunderstorms. But this, is, this is the sound and the noise of God's holiness and power. I mean, that's a, 
that's, that's the sound and the volume. And so imagine the sound. Imagine the bigness of this. So you have this throne, but around it is all of this huge, violent, storm-like power that is manifesting in this noise that sounds like thunder. And then he says this. Um, in, in front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. So you can actually hear the blaze. It's not like little, little torches, little tiki torches. These are like seven lamps blazing. They were, these are the seven spirits of God. Scholars debate whether or not that's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Also, in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. So you get a, size of the, you get a, a sense of the size and scope of this experience. He's standing on a sea. This isn't a pond. This isn't a koi pond. This isn't a, 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 a floor of glass. This is an ocean. He is standing on, this, on the shore of an ocean of glass, pure as crystal. And he's big enough to see the throne. The throne has got to be enormous. It like rises above the water. You can see this throne, massive rainbow, peals of thunder that are loud enough for him to hear on the shore of this glass sea that he can, he's, he's, he's loud, the, the storm is loud enough for him to be able to hear it. And then he's got these elders wrapped around this, this throne. I mean, it's an enormous scale. And in the center around the throne were four living creatures. So big enough to be seen. Again, his size of this, he's on the shore of this ocean, and he can see these huge creatures, four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like Brian, I mean, a man. And the fourth, the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped. So apparently this has been going on since their creation. They never stop. Still going on. They never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's the only way they address him is they just repeat that over and over and over again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they just keep repeating this. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. So John can't even say his name. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And check this out, by your will they were created. So God had to make a decision about you. He is by his will. It was a will thing. He willed it. He decided that the answer was not going to be no for you. It was going to be yes. God made a decision on you. God doesn't have bad ideas God made a decision, and then check this out, and by, by your will, they continue to have their being. So God is deciding right now to give you that breath. He's going to give you that breath. He's going to say yes to that heartbeat, yes to the next heartbeat, yes to that heartbeat. Even if you don't believe in him, he's going to give you that heartbeat. But I hate you, God. Here's the heartbeat. I'm going to mock you, God. Here's the heartbeat. Here's the breath. I'm going to give it to you. Yes, yes, I'm keeping you alive. Right now, God is deciding by his will to keep all of us breathing, regardless of whether we believe in him or not. He's going to give you that next breath and that one. And that one, and that one. So if just like, if just one of those beings, let's, let's take the ox one, 
were to come down and walk down College Avenue. We would all be terrified for our lives. We would think we're ruined. Our lives are going to end. Whatever this thing is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rule and destroy the whole world. We should just submit to this thing now. If one of those thrones were to just rise up out of Lake Winnebago and we were to see it when we woke up this morning, we would worship just the throne. I mean, we would worship any one of these elders. If one of these elders was preaching next week, literally the whole world would show up to service. I mean, it's like, I mean, this is the kind of scale and scope. And here's the thing. It's going on. Like, like right now, like 930 service at Alberton Alliance Church. This is the scene in the throne room of heaven. The rainbow, the thunder, the glass sea. And I'm going to close my eyes and fold my hands and take off my hat and, and address that and, and ascend spiritually to a place where I am addressing, interrupting that. <laughs> no way. No, no, no way. Well, then, then James, Jesus' brother, uh, assures us, in chapter 5, verse 16, the second part, he says, no, no, no. He says, prayer is powerful and it is effective. So in God's great plan, he plans to use prayer. He's going to use it. He's going to allocate his power for the plan, or he's going to allocate power for that prayer. He's gonna be, it's going to be effective. But here's the thing. Um, it's the prayer of a righteous person. It's earnest prayer of a righteous person. <clears throat> um, James. Uh, quick question, uh, just how earnest and how righteous do, do you need to be to even get in that room? Like even, even to enter the room of the almighty God on the throne where everything's bowing, these elders, you got the beast, you got the rainbow, the sea of glass, the thunder. How righteous do I have to be just to get an invitation, to be heard, to interrupt, shh, beast, shh, shh, shh. I have a prayer request. I mean, how righteous are we talking about? How earnest do we need to be to get a, a voice? Even the three, I don't know what all 24 of the elders did, but three, let's say three of them, to, to, be, to be heard over three of those elders. How righteous do I have to be? Look, listen, I don't know what the elders did. I don't know how righteous they were, but they have a crown. Okay, like I don't. I don't have a crown. They have reserved seating in the throne room of heaven. They have like reserved seats in the throne room of heaven. How righteous do you have to be to be heard over anything they're saying? And they're falling on their faces. I mean, how righteous do I have to be to actually not only be heard, but then like, like God who's giving me the oxygen and the breath to share my prayer request, that he would like say, good idea, get up and go and do it like he works for me. Like how, how, how righteous do you have to be to get God to go and do, use his power that he's already given you to breathe your prayer to go and use some more of his power because you need it for something? What, what, what kind of, James, how much, how much righteousness do I need to just have a moderately effective prayer with sort of some power? How about that? Because, I mean, in, in my lifetime, um, like the sum total of Brian's righteousness, okay, Brian Pesco's righteousness, here it is. Like, sum total is like, if I went like four days, maybe without thinking of a bad word in my head, and, and, and I, I did my, diva, I read a half hour, I read a half hour of the Bible, 
every day, including Sunday, even though I'm going to church and we're going to read a whole chapter. I mean, I'll read my Bible today as well. On Sunday, I'll do my devos as well. Now, none of us, because we we're going to church, so okay, I'll be real. Six days. I'll do my, I'll do my devotion six days. Sunday, it's kind of a counts, church counts, so I don't have that. If that's the sum total of my righteousness, there's no way. There's no way. I don't know what the elders did. I don't know what the beast did, but there's no way that I interrupt all of them and rise above all of that to get the attention of the almighty God who no one will even say his name, and then he'll go and actually do what I said. There's no way. This is, this is you know, there's no way. So, so we'll ask Jesus, and the disciples did. They actually asked for me because um, I would have asked them. I said, Jesus, okay, how should, how should I pray? You know, the disciples said, how should, how should we pray? Like, we're fishermen. Okay, we didn't, we're, we're deer stand, hunter, fisher kind of guys. We're not like mystical, Brian Episcopo animated guys. We're more, we have longer beards, you know. Uh, we ride motorcycles, things like that. Like, we're, how should we pray for us? Um, and frankly, God, um, we are religious school dropouts. Like, we didn't, we're not church people. Uh, frankly, Jesus, we're not church. We, we, we haven't been to the temple in a while. It's been, it's been a long time. We know how you pray, but, but how should, should I pray? How should we pray? I, I have some things that I've been meaning to talk to God about, and I, I just want to get off my chest and say to him, but I, it's been a long time, and I don't know how should I approach him. I mean, should I pick up the tune of the of the beast, like should I just do the holy, holy, holy is the Lord? Maybe should I just should I pray that way, or should I should I pray the way that the, the elders are praying? You know, where I, I don't have a crown, but I'll I'll lay some things down in my life. Maybe I need to sell some things or lay something. Maybe I need to lay down on my face, and and I, I just if I just repeat what they're saying or combine it, I'll kind of double up. Because should I just what what should I, how should I pray? I know how they're praying. I know how you pray. I can imagine. I can only imagine. But how should how should I pray? And then, and then Jesus says something that is, it makes, uh, makes no sense. He says, he turns to me, he said, um, when you pray, say, Dad, Father. Now, Jesus, I know how you pray. The question is, is how should I pray? Because there's no way I'm going into that, in that place spiritually and addressing all of that and just going to lead with dad. I mean, I, there's got to be, I mean, at least something of what, the, I mean, John couldn't even say his name. So maybe I just say the one who is or was and is to come. I mean, but you're telling me I go in there and say, I can't do that unless I'm you. Like spiritually or, or ident my whole identity is wrapped up in you. I can't, I can't do that. I can't just go in there unless I'm you. Because I know the Bible. I know what John 3.16 says. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only. Just one. He's only got one. It's just one and only son. He's only got one kid and it's you, Jesus. So I can't do that unless somehow my whole identity is wrapped up in you. Unless righteousness is not, it's not making sure I have all of this stuff, all these good works and the hats off and, and all it outweighs the bad stuff. Unless righteousness has something to do with like 
completely who I have to be completely who God is not an idiot. God's not like God isn't like up there going like, do you say the magic words uh, in Jesus's name? OK, here's everything you want. No, God knows God is giving me and every creation breath. Of course, he knows who I am. So I'm not going to fake him by saying magic code words at the end of my prayer in Jesus name. Amen. I have to like literally be you when I walk into that room, Jesus. How does that happen? Well, Paul, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, unpacks this for us. He says this. He says, I've been crucified. Brian Episcopo, he died. There is finality to that. He was crucified with Christ. When Jesus went to the cross, all that Brian was, all that is true about Brian, it died. It's over. It happened one time. Death is final, and it's over. And I no longer live. No longer. Regardless, I don't live anymore. The life I live in the body... Physically, I live by faith that I am all wrapped up in the Son of God who loved me, who loves me and gave himself for me. So I don't set aside the grace of God for if righteousness, right? All that righteousness James is talking about. If that could be gained through obeying some cosmic legal morality formula, law thing, Jesus Christ died for nothing. So, how do we pray? How do we pray? <laughs> the only way we pray is in Jesus Christ, in his name. It's the only way we can pray. We don't just end our prayers with a pithy church thing to say, in Jesus' name, amen. The whole thing starts and ends, and in the middle, and it's all wrapped up. We live, we breathe, we, we go to work, we love people, we serve people. All, everything we do, all of our hobbies, everything that's happening is all wrapped up in his identity, who he is, in Jesus' name. It's the only way we can pray. You can't say, Dad, until you're in Christ entirely. It's the only way it works. This is how to pray. As if like, there, even the question itself is kind of like self-refuting. Like it's like, how should I do this so that I can do some right things and my hat's off and all this stuff and I've got all this stuff so that I can ascend to the throne room of God. Well, you can't do anything. You just can receive a lot. Like you can just receive Jesus and his whole identity and so when you walk in and you step foot on that sea of glass, all of heaven turns. Because God's son, God's child, his daughter, his son is home. And like any good dad, he's thrilled about it. And he can't wait to hear what you have to say. What audacity. If we believed this about prayer, honestly, we would never have to pray again. But we would have to go to work. <laughs> we would have to like eat stuff and stay alive because we never want to stop praying. You would want to pray without ceasing because every minute would, you would want to be spent in the throne room of the almighty God who was and is and is to come. You would never want to stop praying if we really just got the first word right in the prayer. If we really believed and understood that. My... Um, my family and I, we go to the Jersey Shore every year. Um, we go out there to go to the beach, and one of the things we do is we go to a shopping mall. We go to the Atlantic City shopping mall. And this happened a few years ago, 
and uh, we were there, and um, I, my, my dad and my brother were in the Puma outlet, and it was an outdoor mall, so you, you leave the outlet, and you go outside, and you walk across to a row of storefronts, and then you can do whatever you want. But, but uh, I left, my, my dad and my brother were in the Puma outlet, I left, I went out the, the front of the door, I turned, and I walked uh, down the storefront. There was only one more store next to Puma, and it was a little one, it was a Zoomies, it was just a, a shoe store, a Zoomies shoe store. And I, walked, I was walking past it, I was heading to a parking garage around the corner, right around the side of that Zoomies store. And as I am walking past the door of the uh, Zoomies uh, store, the door swings open and it hits me. And it kind of, actually right before that, I heard two sounds in there. I heard clack, clack. And it was very fast, it sounded like firecrackers. I, I didn't know exactly, I kind of froze and stopped. The door immediately swings open and hits me. And, and, and what was apparent very quickly is a son and a dad were running out and they were yelling, shooter, shooter, run, run. And, the, and so I, I kind of get swept up in them. I run, I run around the side of the Zoomy store. I put my back up against the wall and they took off for the parking garage. It was apparent they were calling 911 and, uh, and calling for the police. And, uh, and I just froze on the side of the Zoomy store. My dad and my brother are in the Puma store next to that store. It's a very small, it's just a little, I mean, it's like the size of the stage, even smaller, it's a small little thing. And I'm just, my back's up against it. And, and you know, you never know what's inside of you until these, these, these moments happen. You don't know what's down there until they happen. Hopefully you never have to find out. But um, in a matter of seconds, you run through some things. Time kind of slows down. And I immediately started thinking, I, I need to find a, a weapon, I need to find something, because I need to go and either either try to stop this or, or, or at least defend my, my dad and my brother if, if needed. So I was looking around for a rock or something to grab or something that looked like, like a weapon. And, I, and really quickly, I was looking around. There's nothing. There's nothing to grab. And I had this weird thing. This is the weirdest thing. You do weird things in these moments, probably, that your mind is just firing stuff. And I paused. And for a second, I just stopped and I did this. I just looked at my hands. And I looked at my, the palm of my hands, and I just looked at them for a second. And I was just filled with, like, such, such grief. Like, I have nothing in my hands. There is nothing in my hands I can use to, to push back or to do anything against this. And I just stared at them for a split second, felt the grief of that. And then I began, you know, calling family and, and telling them to, you know, stay safe and... It ended up being resolved. It was a domestic violence. It was no less tragic, but it wasn't a, a, you know, a big, you know, mass shooting. It was a domestic violence between two people. But, um, but I remember telling my mom about it the next day. I was talking to her about this. I was unpacking it and processing this, and I told my mom about that moment where I looked down at my hands and I stared at him for a split second and just felt so much grief that I had nothing to put in my hands, nothing to do, to fight back. And then my mom said something that I'll never forget. And if you know my mom, if you know my mom, this is who she is. This is the kind of spiritual titan she is in my life. And she said, Brian, why did you look at your hands? And I said, well, well mom, I, I was looking for something to fight back with. I didn't have anything. I just was so discouraged by that. And she said, Brian, why did you look at your hands? She said, we do not fight our battles with anything on this world that can fit in our hands. We fight with the armies of heaven on our knees. When we pray, when we get before God, our dad, and we talk to him, we fight battles in our lives or on behalf of other people with the armies of heaven. Why would we ever look on our hands for any answers? I believe this. If we believed 
that that first word in Jesus's prayer was true of us. That if we lived in the first word of that prayer, one, our prayers would probably only be one word long because we would pray, we would ascend to that moment in the, in the, in the, in that, in the throne room and we would recognize and dwell on and live in and take on our identity in Christ as a son or as a daughter of God. And what problem in our life what challenge in your life can stand that fact of who you are in Christ? Nothing is burned up like an ant in the sun because the creator of the universe who gives everything its breath, everything is breathing by his decision, looks at you, all of heaven stops, you stand on the sea of glass in the throne room of God, and he looks at you and says, this is my daughter, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. Everything that is true about you, everything that's true about Brian Episcopo dies with Jesus, but everything that is true about Jesus Christ is raised up in your life when you step in by faith and by grace to your identity as in Christ. <laughs> If we believed this about prayer, we would never have to pray again. We would, we would have to take a break. Let's pray. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Hallowed be thy name, reverence and honor and praise and all glory be to you, almighty God. Dad, Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for dying so that we actually get to pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.